You're listening to the Selling Energy Podcast, turbocharging the success of sales professionals around the world. Here's your host, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and award-winning sales trainer, Mark Jewell. In the absence of math, decisions are often governed by myths. Do not let fiction fill the vacuum left by a lack of facts. Blindly accepted myths and inappropriately applied rules of thumb play a major role in the continued waste of energy in this country. When selecting projects to fund, you need to know the facts. Who pays? Who benefits? You need access to tools that deliver actionable information automatically. If your financial analysis requires an impractical level of time and effort, it will not get done, especially if you need to see multiple scenarios before approving a project. If your people lack the time or skills to perform and present these calculations, you should consider outsourcing the financial analysis to someone who has automated the number crunching. In the case of a multi-tenant building, for example, are the people who approve capital projects the same people who approve the existing leases? If not, have they at least read the leases lately? How much of the energy cost is paid by the landlord? How much of the projected savings would the landlord see on a tenant-by-tenant, month-by-month basis? Do the leases allow the landlord to assess tenants for capital improvements that reduce operating expenses for all tenants? If you're an engineer recommending an energy-saving capital project for a multi-tenant building, have you detailed the costs and savings of the project on a tenant-by-tenant and common area basis? Do you know how much of the projected savings would flow to the landlord and how much capital costs would be assigned to the tenants according to the terms of the existing leases? Do you have a best practice for including a leasing analysis in every proposal you present to a landlord or manager of an income-producing property? These are the questions you need to ask and answer. The Reluctant Buyer Too many salespeople give their prospects reasons to talk themselves out of a purchase. Your job as a sales professional is to make sure they don't find a reason not to buy. Let's say you have a prospect interested in purchasing window film for his building. Now, chances are he's never touched window film in his life except perhaps unintentionally while pressing his nose against the glass of a store window to see what they sell. He has no idea what window film looks like, tastes like, smells like, or feels like, nor what it costs to install. He certainly has no idea about how many grades of window film are available for purchase. The prospect simply says, I think I need some window film. Now, the average salesperson could reply, well, you've come to the right place. We have virtually every grade of window film under the sun, pun intended. Here are 17 grades of window films for which I can show you samples right here. We have another 20 options in our warehouse. Take a look at these. Which one of these do you like best? Now, in an effort to offer ultimate variety so the prospect would find no need to shop elsewhere, the salesperson has unintentionally paralyzed the decision maker. This prospect is now thinking to himself, 17 choices? That means there are at least 16 chances I can make the wrong decision. And that's not even considering the other 20 choices in this guy's warehouse, wherever that is. Holy cow, how am I going to pick the right film? I really should find myself a window film consultant, but I don't even know how to do that, much less how much they charge me to evaluate all my options. I guess I'll just ask some of my neighbors at the next Building Owners and Managers Association meeting who they wound up using for window films and what variety they finally settled on. Meanwhile, the purchase is in suspended animation. Who in the world would feel confident buying a whole building's worth of window films where the odds of choosing the right product are only 1 in 17? A sales professional would have said, I'd be happy to help you choose the right solution. But first, let me ask you, where were you thinking of installing this film? And what is your main reason for doing so? Is it privacy? Avoiding heat gain? Protecting your merchandise from fading? Equipped with the answers to these questions, the sales professional would then recommend two or three window films that best fit the need, making it easier for the prospect to feel confident he was making the right decision. 
Reframing the Refrigerator. Suppose your goal is to convince the landlord of a multifamily property to improve the energy efficiency of his building by replacing the kitchen appliances in his apartments. You may very well find that he doesn't give a hoot about appliance efficiency since his tenants are the ones paying the utility bill. This is an all-too-common scenario, by the way. Some people call it the quote-unquote split incentive problem. But guess what? You have a much greater chance of commanding your prospect's attention and prevailing at the end of the day if you reframe your value proposition with the help of some segment-specific business acumen. Let's return to the example of the landlord whose apartment building is filled with old appliances. Your job is to convince him to replace those appliances with Energy Star-labeled ones. What are the benefits? Well, new appliances certainly require less maintenance, which means fewer disruptions for tenants and fewer headaches for the landlord, right? Since they're new, they also are more aesthetically pleasing, which should help with tenant retention and attraction, right? And of course, they result in lower utility bills, admittedly a benefit that tenants reap if the building is submetered. Now, if you present these facts exactly the way I did to a skeptical landlord, you'll probably fail to close the sale. Why? The investment of time and money is not worth a few less maintenance calls and an ambiguous increase in tenant retention or attraction. So how do you reframe this scenario to hit the ball out of the park? Taking the time to quantify and monetize the benefits of replacing these appliances using technology that is sure to resonate with the landlord will do the job. I was advising a large public benefits program last year on how they could increase the market penetration of their multifamily direct install programs. I suggested they determine the approximate difference in utility bills between an apartment in that city outfitted with Energy Star label appliances and one that is not. Sure enough, they did the math, and I believe it turned out to be about $40 a month in utility savings for a one-bedroom apartment. Now, knowing this information, your pitch to the landlord could go something like this. What if you invested roughly $1,000 to install Energy Star labeled appliances in each of your units, and then you said to every prospective tenant, these newly installed appliances will lower your utility bill by about $40 a month. You may have noticed that our rent is about $20 per month higher than the building across the street. However, with a utility bill that's $40 lower per month, you'll wind up keeping an extra $20 in your pocket every month that you could use to buy a six-pack of your favorite craft beer. <laughs> Parenthetically, I was told that beer was the most fungible currency among young renters in this particular town, but feel free to modify this pitch to appeal to your local audience. So what's the next step? The next step is quantifying and monetizing the landlord's share of the benefits. What would an incremental $20 a month in rent mean in the apartment building's profitability and value? Well, let's do the math. $20 per month equals $240 a year. Using the direct capitalization approach to appraisal and a cap rate of 10%, that incremental net operating income of $240 per year has the potential to drive $2,400 of incremental asset value for the landlord. That's nearly two and a half times the cost of the new appliances. Moreover, at a lower cap rate, the jump in appraised value would be even more pronounced. Now, keep in mind that the landlord wouldn't have to sell the building to enjoy the benefits of that bump in appraised value. It also increases the amount of equity he could take out when refinancing the building. And by the way, what if the new appliances help retain a tenant? The landlord benefits further by avoiding some or all the following costs of tenant churn. The leasing commission, rent lost while seeking a replacement tenant, the cost of cleaning, repenting, and potentially recarpeting the unit, as well as the rent foregone while he's doing so. Rent lost during a free rent period, if such a perk is customary, to induce a new tenant to sign. 
After presenting such a compelling case, you should have the landlord's undivided attention. You've shown him the true value of the proposed project on the back of an envelope, or beer coaster as the case may be. Moreover, you've shown him how to reframe the upgrade for both his current and prospective tenants. His current tenants should willingly accept the installation inconvenience, and his new tenants should gladly accept slightly higher rent in exchange for lower utility bills and the convenience and aesthetics of brand new Energy Star labeled appliances. But it's vacant. Have you ever tried to sell an efficiency product or service to a prospect who owns or manages a building with high vacancy? If you have, you probably know it's not an easy task. Vacant space doesn't pay rent. And without that money, it can be hard to convince a prospect to front capital for efficiency improvements to those square feet. I'd like to share a success story from a graduate of the Efficiency Sales Professional Certificate Program, who we'll call Tom, about his experience prevailing in just such a situation. Tom approached a developer in Silicon Valley who owned a building that was 35% vacant with the goal of selling him a high-end lighting control system. The offering was a state-of-the-art system that allowed the user to control the brightness of each and every luminaire, lighting fixture in layman's terms, using a desktop widget that connected the user's computer to a server, which in turn was networked to the lighting ballast, each of which had a unique IP address. It was truly a high-tech system, and its price reflected it. It would cost about $4 per square foot to install. So Tom approached the developer with the following elevator pitch. You know, the kinds of tenants that you're hoping to attract are most likely high-tech prima donnas, venture capital-backed game designers and the like. They would really appreciate this technology. The developer asked him, what are you getting at? Tom replied confidently, well, your building is 35% vacant now. I suggest that you buy our high-tech lighting control system for the 35% of your building that's vacant so that you can use it as a differentiating amenity as your brokers try to find tenants to fill that space. The developer thought about it for a few moments. He said, if you're willing to sign a memorandum of understanding saying that you're not going to sell this system to any other building within 25 miles of mine so that my brokers can actually use this lighting control system as a differentiating amenity, as you suggest, then I'll buy the system from you. Of course, you'll also have to agree to educate our brokers as to how special it actually is and why it's important to our potential customers' productivity so they can effectively leverage this competitive advantage and fill up the building with rent-paying tenants. Now, Tom didn't consider the 25-mile radius limitation to be onerous, so he agreed, and they signed the deal. What happened in the wake of the retrofit? Six months later, the building's vacancy percentage had dropped to 5%. Who do you think made more money, Tom, who sold a $4 per square foot system, or the landlord who just filled up 30% of his building? The landlord, of course. Think about the annual rent per square foot and the concomitant increase in appraised value that the landlord enjoyed now that his building was 95% occupied. Now, there's a funny epilogue to the story as well, by the way. After the tenants moved in, they called Tom and said, listen, we like the system, but we don't like the way it's programmed. Could we pay you to reprogram it for us? Tom agreed, of course, and made another couple bucks per square foot reconfiguring the system. Within a six-month period, Tom had closed two sales, one for $4 a square foot and the second one for $2 a square foot. Now, most salespeople would probably have approached the situation saying, there is no way a landlord is going to spend money outfitting vacant space, especially not with a top-of-the-line lighting control system. Why would they buy from me? Tom, a true sales professional, used the powers of positive thinking and reframing. He understood exactly what was most important to the landlord and reframed his offering based on that insight. Now, the more you can reframe energy efficiency as an amenity that gets people more of what they already know they want, in this case, more occupied square feet, the more successful you'll be at selling it.
paint a new picture. One of the most common roadblocks to a successful sale is a prospect or customer with unrealistic expectations. People have a tendency to expect things to be the same as they've always been. This idea reminds me of a story of a little girl who goes to a multi-generational family dinner. The mother is cooking a huge ham. She cuts the end of the ham off, lays it in the pan, and puts the pan in the oven. The little girl says, Mommy, why do you always cut the end of the ham off before you lay it in the pan and put it in the oven? The mother tells her, I don't know, that's the way my mommy always did it. Look there, Grandma's out in the parlor talking to your sister. Why don't you go out there and ask her? The little girl trundles out there and asks, Grandma, why does Mommy always cut the end of the ham before she lays it in the pan and puts it in the oven? Grandma says, I don't know, honey. That's the way my mommy always taught me to do it. She's outside with the dog. Why don't you ask her? So the little girl wanders out in the yard and asks, Great-grandma, why does everybody in this family cut the end of the ham off before they lay it in the pan and put it in the oven? Great-grandma says, shaking her head, I don't know, child. I did it because the ham didn't fit in my pan. People often make decisions based upon what they're accustomed to without grounding those decisions in today's reality. When it comes to justifying an efficiency project financially, this can be a real problem for us as sales professionals. You may have prospects tell you that they'll only do a project with a payback of two years or less, for example. Why do they have such unrealistic expectations? Probably because they were doing business in the 80s when the prime rate hit 21%. It's your job to paint a new picture for them, to be the great grandma who reveals the reason for their unrealistic expectations and explains why they shouldn't dismiss your proposal, given how genuinely attractive it is compared with other investment vehicles in today's market. 